We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you. Feels so good to say it. Off of a win. Uh, we knew it would happen eventually. We got eight of them in a row. And then we couldn't get any more. And now we got one. That's good. New New year, new me, right? Or no, that doesn't rhyme. We need to think of it. Jeremy Cohen, my my better podcasting half. Is there a, is there a phrase new... Isn't there a phrase like new year? It's not new year, new me, isn't it? Something? It is. It is, new it is year, new year, new me. Yes, it is. I thought it would be something that rhymed. No, not in this case. Maybe we could workshop that and come up with something better than new year, new me. New year, Maybe new Knicks. Like, but if you're looking for a rhyme, see, like what came to my mind was you get a bagel, right? Like new year, <laughs> uh, new schmear. You get a new cream cheese on your bagel. I mean, you're big on, on frozen bagels, right? I'm huge on the frozen bagels. This is John Macri, big frozen bagel guy. So maybe that could be it. New year, new schmear. Now you're making me hungry. God damn you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeremy, it feels like I haven't seen you in a while, even though I know we just did a podcast. But this, how many did this week take weeks, months, or years off your life? It was a rough week. <laughs> oh my God. It felt like it was like five weeks in one. I don't even There know. was a part of me where after the Spurs game, I was, I was close to doing it, but I was like, no, because the Mavs loss was really so much worse emotionally than the Spurs game yes. where I had, I had made a meme where, you know, in the Simpsons movie, when Bart's like, Oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And Homer's like the worst thing that's ever happened so far. I was thinking like, Oh, the Mavs loss is the worst thing that happened. Mavs lost worst thing happened so far, but it, I didn't do it. Cause it's like, no, the Mavs loss was just so gut wrenching. And we sat there in silence and the beauty of it was people got to view us in <laughs> stunned, right? Like, at least on a normal game, we'd have the comfort of maybe sitting in our own homes and be like, wow, that sucks. Okay. But no, we had to be in front of a camera and doing it. So yes, I think that it, there was a point after the first quarter of the Rockets game where I'm thinking, look, if you tell me with this Texas trip, Knicks win three games, phenomenal, yes. fantastic, great. Yes. Win two of them, probably depends which two, but I can get behind it. And how, as For always. Sure. It's always about the how. Yeah. Yes. One, all right. 
that's really depends on which one we're talking about because some pretty rough things. Zero, unacceptable. Like you can't go to the Texas Triangle and lose all of your games. And sure enough, sometime in the second quarter, the Knicks turned it around, didn't look back. And it's wild because the results themselves feel so crushing, especially how the Mavs game ended. Yep. And I'm not here like, oh, look at the moral victories or anything of that sort. They went one and two. They should have gone at least two and one on this trip. But it's hard not to walk away at least feeling some sort of positive reinforcement. Maybe not from the Spurs game. Maybe not from most of the or some of the Rockets game. Maybe not from half of or 33 seconds of the Mavericks game. But collectively, it almost felt like if they're hanging with teams... Maybe they shouldn't be hanging with something. Maybe they should be ahead. And they are doing this, specifically the Mavs game, I guess, with Brunson on the bench, with Barrett missing pretty much the entire game. You feel okay. And then you remember what happened at the end of the Mavs game. And it's like, no, I'm really happy to leave that in the rearview mirror. But that that's really painful. Excruciatingly painful. There, I, I find... Um, <laughs> I find the biggest challenge for me personally, and you're much better at this than me. Um, as a young man, too, kudos to you to have this level of emotional maturity. But I find that our biggest task to sit here uh, week after week and game after game in front of a microphone, in my case, after these things are over, my biggest task is to try to not take the emotion out of it because we're, we are, this, this is a fan run thing. We are fans of this team. We are not pretending to be anything other than fans. So it's not about taking the emotion out of it, but it is about contextualizing the emotion, I guess. I don't know if that makes perfect sense. Probably doesn't, but you you, you get what I'm trying to get at here. And I don't know that there has ever been for me, an instance, a, a two-week stretch, because I, I can't... We I, For me, I can't separate the Mavs game from the Bulls game for as much as the Mavs game was worse, but like that those two things happened within five days of one another. It just wild. Um, one was more wild than the other again, but again, it was just the closest of time. I don't know that I've ever found it more difficult to separate out my ability to like <laughs> to make, make sense of, of things in a rational manner from how I was feeling in the moment, because in the moment, both of those games, um, especially obviously the Dallas one were like, Oh, nothing matters. Like just end it all. And then the weird part about the Spurs game was the Spurs game on its face. If you look at it, it was like, okay, horrible matchup um, in terms of Spurs had a lot of size. The Knicks were down their biggest wing defender, you know, to, to say whatever you want about RJ's defense. I mean, he's a big body out there that you could throw against those sorts of wings. They didn't have them. Um, And they had a lot of small defenders and Spurs had a lot of big guys that were driving and, there was um, not much interior resistance from the Knicks. And there was, I think, clearly a hangover effect from the Mavs game, or at least that's how I perceived um, going back and, and kind of rewatching it. So it's like, again, logically, you can look at the Spurs game and be like, okay, it checks out. It makes sense. They're missing Brunson. They're missing RJ. All of these other reasons. And it was by seven on the road against a team that hasn't been a complete disaster. Not a good team by any stretch, but also like they've beat some good teams. They've had some decent performances. Like they're capable of putting one foot in front of the other. This isn't the whatever 2005, 2006 Bobcats. I forget what year. Probably getting the year wrong there. Um, you get my point. It, it all like blended together. And it was, but coming out of it, coming out of it now, 
with the help of a win. And God, did, they, did I need that win? Did they need that win? Did we all need that win? Coming out of it now, we look back at a December that was any way you cut it, a successful December. Record-wise, the advanced statistics, which I don't know if we want to go through some of those. And even if you want to take it a step back, and we've talked about these different lines of demarcation, I am increasingly going back to the the OKC game, which is where it seemed like the bottom fell out, the home game against OKC. And then they kind of righted the ship after that. Um, I, I feel like this team is really has really been on to something for a while now. And I just pulled it up as, uh, and the most astounding thing for me, I don't know about you, but for me, since that OKC disaster, which we witnessed in person, they've played 21 games in those 21 games, or excuse me, 19 games. Sorry, I lied. 19 games in those 19 games. They are the third best offense in the league. If you would have told me that there would be any any 19-game stretch that the New York Knickerbockers, this year's New York Knickerbockers, would have the third best offense in the league, better than the likes of the Mavs, the Celtics, I would have I would have called you all sorts of names. And so, like, taking a step back, trying to put everything into proper context, I think it's okay, even in light of the events of this week, to sit here and be like, you know what? Things are okay. They are. And that's the thing that bothered me the most about the Mavs game, which is, as you said, like I am pretty level-headed when it comes to these seasons, because I know that these seasons, they're important and you need to have some sort of results to show for them, but it's not quite do or die. I think there is a level of you have to make the plan minimum, right? Like you can't, unless there's a significant injury where you can say, well, it's because of this injury where that's why the Knicks are not doing well and like but even still it's going to be you should be if you are the Knicks you should be able to reinforce the team with enough talent where the team is able to make the play and they have no interest in tanking and i left the Mavs game shaken not in a way that's you know we're like the core is attacked in my mind where it's like oh my god everything's you know do this all that it was more just like this is the first time i have viscerally reacted to a loss in a way that i hadn't for a while, maybe since the the Nets game right before the All Star break last season, I think that was the last oh point. Where it's like, I yeah, like what what is this? What are we doing? What what are we watching? And so this can't be real, right? Exactly. But at least I could rationalize the Mavs game afterwards, right? Again, like I said, Brunson not playing, Barrett injured, guys are exhausted. You know, you you could. I don't want to, for example, absolve. Tibbs of any coaching choices, but I feel like there has been a very heavy discussion just in terms of what went wrong in the last minute, 33 seconds, whatever it is. And I just think that one thing that Knicks fans have not considered is something that worked against the Knicks is luck. Yeah. Bad luck. And I know that Knicks fans and just fans as a whole don't love just saying it is what it is because what we like to do is we like to identify the problem and talk about the problem and lay blame to it. And I don't even think that blame is wrong. I think it's, there are things that are totally accurate just in general, but very often, very often are we unable to say there's certain aspects that just are what they are. Shit happens. Right. Like who would have thought that the Mavs hit three threes and then the probability of, you know, Luca, Missing the free throw, getting his own rebound, 
the Knicks having two of their own players not saying, I got the ball. Like, what happens if Grimes comes up? All these things. And it just, one thing after another, it just was a disaster. And there's a reason why the number of the odds of it happening were zero and... I know Andrew's got this number memorized. I certainly forgot it because I didn't even want to think about it. 13,884. Thank you very much. That is astounding. So everything that would have to line up, it's a perfect storm that just occurs. And again, yes, I think it would have been great to have Jericho Sims out there instead of Deuce McBride. If the whole goal is to get the rebound, I don't really care about Jericho Sims free throw shooting inabilities. You have the ball. You put pressure. No, on it, it was that, the wrong. It was the wrong move. Right. There's, there's no discussion needed. It was wrong to not have a rebounder out there. Another rebounder out there. Right. And even still, as much of a problem as that was, and that was a coaching deficiency, the fact that they still were able to score nine points before Luca even made the trip to the free throw line and got the ball. Like it's just, it's just luck, and and other things too. And I think that we just have to, at a certain point, say. Great. On to the next one. And I felt that there was some carryover from the previous game to the Spurs game. I didn't understand why Mitch looked as tired as he did. Oh, it was one. If it was not his worst game of the season, it was certainly the game where his level of play and not in a good way was felt the most in in the outcome of in the unfolding of that game. And then ultimately in the outcome of that game. Yeah, that was a tough one for him. It just it looked like they were kind of shell shocked. Or just sleepwalking, whatever metaphor then, or term you want to use, it just, yeah. just didn't go well. So I'm really happy about the Rockets because yeah, they just throw, and, and, throw Texas away in the basketball sense, you know. And let's not low. forget, like they were down nine to the Rockets in the first quarter. Like there were, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're listening out there, you felt differently, but I know me sitting there watching that game, I was like, oh my god. Is, is this what the bottom falling out looks like? And then to go on and win that game by 20 in a very methodical way where it's just like, we know who our opponent is. We know the mistakes they're going to make. We know how we're going to take advantage of those mistakes. Let's go and now do it and enter the year, a game, enter the new year, a game above 500. Um, more things that we just kind of touched on briefly that I want to get to in, in a little bit further depth. Um, but one thing that we did touch on a couple times is the absences of a few players, which is a perfect opportunity. Jeremy, actually, before I, before I do this, can you remember a week in Nick's history, recent Nick's history? I mean, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure there's one, if you go back further enough, but recent Nick's history that has been defined as much by injuries and who is not on the court as this one. For me, I, I feel like, we, we would have to go back. I mean, there's nothing since Porzingis, right? Like that, that was huge, um, the Porzingis injury. But since the Porzingis injury, I don't feel like we've had a week where it's like, oh my God, the injuries were the story. Um, can you remember another one I'm forgetting? COVID. Oh, that COVID was a big that one, was, yeah. But if we're talking about physical ailments as opposed to um, illness, uh, yeah, it's been a while. I'd say probably that because all the larger names have haven't missed time. Yeah. Julius has been relatively healthy and yeah, probably Porzingis going down was the last significant one. So as fate would have it, we have a new sponsor, not only for this week, but moving forward for the rest of the season. Um, And I, 
I made sure it was okay with them that they're they didn't mind me uh, saying as much, and they were like, "What are you crazy? You could boast that as much as possible." Nick fans um, who happen to own um, a personal injury law firm, proud to announce a weekly segment. Um, on Nick's injuries, the injury report presented by Weiss and Rosenblum. So as a reminder, call Weiss and Rosenblum, uh, 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Consultations are free, and of course, they do not get paid unless you do. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney not a rookie. Why is the rules boom? You have good timing, uh, guys, because this week, um, mm, and I think we have to like, it's, it, it's gotten buried as far as the lead story, but I don't know how we can work our way around it. When you have Jalen Brunson, sore hip, he's been day to day game time decisions. Each of the last three games hasn't played in any of them. He's been listed as questionable for the Suns game, which we'll we'll tip off today as you're listening to this. Um, that's like its own thing. He's a small guy. He plays a certain way. You figured he was going to get banged up for a few games at some point this season. And we should also mention Obi Toppin still out with a leg issue, not clear to return to practice yet. The RJ thing, Andrew, am I supposed to read what you have in parentheses here? Yes. Finger chopped off. Now, that that may be a bit of an exaggeration. Um, but he has been out since the beginning of the Mavs game. So he has missed effectively three games. He's also listed as out for the Suns game. Um, I don't know that I could remember a, an injury. Uh, maybe I should, should have, uh, consulted with uh, the folks at Weston Rosen before I make this statement. I don't know that I could remember an injury quite like the one that occurred to RJ Barrett at the beginning of the Mavs game, because like it's, it's been a week and I still don't quite like understand how, Luka Doncic like went full Wolverine on RJ's finger and like sliced it open to the point where like, were we looking at exposed bone? Was it just tendons as like Mike Green corrected himself on the broadcast? I don't know, but this is like bizarre. It is. Although so fun fact for me, at least I had a history where I have snapped the tendon in my middle finger twice. And the first time I did it, John, I was playing a game of cards. Oh my God. You know, the, uh, That's the game not a slap, story. slapjack where you slap the deck. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did it. And, uh, yep. Second time was when I was playing Frisbee and I fell. And so it happened. The, so did the Frisbee have like a blade around it? Like Raiden's hat in mortal Kombat? Worst part is I had it from putting my hands out when I fell because someone oh, okay. cut and I had to go. To, but yes. So as someone who is familiar with tendon injuries, I can tell you that the idea of seeing it would probably make me nauseous and the discomfort is bad enough. Fortunately, he didn't have that. It was just a laceration. But I have not seen anything quite like this. I will say I got a really good laugh out of this. I don't know if you have... Well, I, I'm not going to say what movie it is because I don't want to give anything away. But James Marceda, formerly of Locked on Knicks and works with the Strickland, he runs NBA Injury Report and he had RJ Barrett Cut off own fingers so boring ass friend would stop talking to him remains out Saturday. Oh my god. Yeah. My favorite movie of the year. It's it's great. But and I loved that. Aye, that's, so I <laughs> so okay, we won't we won't say what it is because there it's it's later on in the movie. Folks, where it happens, but. watch your watch your watch your Oscar nominees when they're announced. That's all we're gonna give you. That's the hint. And if you know, <laughs> you know. Um 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm on the scale. Okay, let's do this before we move on. Scale of you have to we have to rank them. Who are you most worried by? Who are you least worried by? And it's tough to do this because the OB thing maybe plays into something else that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah, who who are you most worried by right now of these three? Or are you not worried about any of them? I mean, in the in the moment. No, do you like right moving forward? Are, do, do you have no worries about any of these three guys? It doesn't seem like well for Obi, you know, it takes time. That's I, I'm the others seem. I'm not a doctor. I should preface that. I, it does not seem as though the return for RJ and for Brunson is as significant as what Obi might be coming back from. So I don't know how much rust Obi might have, and and you know how long he'll be out, and then it just the amount of time he'll play based on how much of a role Brunson and Barrett play, then really not worried about their injuries and how it might impact them. Uh, and if, you know, for Obi, I'm a little bit more concerned just because it, it seems like it's a little bit more prolonged. I have some level of concern for all three because like maybe, you know, drinking a little bit too much of my own Kool-Aid hyping up Jalen Brunson, but like I was really buying into the whole, if I could walk, I could play. He's been walking because we see him working out before these games and he hasn't felt enough, you know, comfortable enough to play. And I guess maybe as Nick fans who have had two and a half years of Tibbs under our belt, we should be happy that they are being showing some restraint with a a very important player. So maybe that's not a bad thing. Um, I don't know, but I would certainly feel more comfortable if like he suited up against the Suns uh, and and Chris Paul on, on Monday. As for RJ, it's just like, you know, Steph Bondi reported sources uh it's going to be a week so if he's out against the suns and then plays the next game then we're fine it's just interesting that they've already listed him and maybe i'm reading too much into this they've already listed him as out for the suns game 24 hours ahead of time as opposed to like questionable like i'm i'm waiting to see that rj barrett questionable tag that's the only thing and then as for ob it, it i i think it has as much to do with by the time he comes back like wh- not like what is his role going to be but the team is clearly is is finding a comfort level, and it's like the big the, the the double big thing. I think we could start to see that beginning to outlive its usefulness. So maybe it's Sorry. not. A, <laughs> look, I, I know what you're saying. I feel as the expiration date for the double bigs probably was more than a handful of games ago. I understand that what he's working with, and we can go further into into that. But um, can I give you just one thing on the double big thing? Sure. I wonder how much of a big deal the lack of offensive production during those minutes. And my God, is there a lack of offensive production during those minutes? How big of a deal it would be if there was a um, more apt shooter or scorer than Deuce out there during that time? Because um, checked it today. Uh, there is no player who is in a lower percentile for efficiency in the entire NBA than Deuce McBride as of right now. He went through a nice little uptick. He has ceased making shots like that. Him plus those two guys, but at least those two guys, they give you the offensive rebounds and they are a a monster to deal with on the offensive glass. It's just that they can't, they can't sustain that and having a a, a guard out there who's a non-shooter. And yet, as we talk about this, as I cited a few minutes ago, this is one of the best offenses in the league and they've been one of the best offenses in the league for a month and a half now. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know how I ultimately feel about it. Hurry back, Obi. That's, that's how I'll end that part. In regards to RJ, I think, I don't think it's suspicious that he's out for the Suns game because he was hurt last Tuesday. Yeah. It'll be Monday. So if it's a week or so, it's probably going to be 
past the Suns game, maybe the game after that, maybe the game after that, hopefully. So, but yeah, it'd be great if he could come back soon. In the meantime, I guess it seems like we'll be seeing more Evan Fournier. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. That's a good... um that's a good transition. So let, let's let's get into a couple of things here. Um, putting this week, not putting this week aside, but like, I feel like the larger story of this next season has been they were kind of fumbling around in the dark to find a rotation that they liked, which was clearly impacted by the Quentin Grimes injury to start the year because the guy that it is very clear now that they wanted as their starting two guard all along um, was not ready to start the season. So that led into Cam getting minutes and Fournier starting. And so like all of this whole discussion is a little unclear, but like it clearly took a while for them to find a comfort zone. And then they found a comfort zone and it is very, very evident. And Benji tweets about this a lot and talks has, has talked about it, uh, about how once you're out of Tibbs' rotation, it's like, you're out. He doesn't just willy-nilly put guys in unless there's really a need. Well, guess what? There was really a need now with Evan Fournier. Uh, it, do we have any thoughts about, like, as this team, and we're, we're going to talk trades later, but as this team approaches the trade deadline, like, has anything... Has anything changed in your mind or they're still in a place where it's like they have all this excess salary, these guys who are not part of their main plans. They're just going to try to move on from these players if they can. If they can't, they can't. And it's no big deal. Or has like Fournier's, Fournier's reinsertion affected anything for you? I don't know that it's affected much for me, but I was curious to get your take on that. Well, I'll say this. I didn't have a problem with Fournier not playing in the Mavs game. Neither did I. I, I think... Sticking him into that situation, completely agree. It's like, all right, if things go downhill at another point, then we're talking about why did Tibbs play Fournier in a game where that seemed winnable. My issue is actually okay. If you're going to play Fournier for the Spurs game and for the Rockets game, why aren't you mixing and matching so that you're not pairing him with Rose and Hartenstein? Because it's not like there's any sort of complementing that they can do. Like I was very surprised that Deuce was starting. And Fournier, for example, wasn't. And I understand it might be a tall task to throw Fournier in there after he hasn't been playing in six weeks. But it's if we're talking about fresh legs, we're talking about spacing, maybe more so a little bit more size um, against the Spurs in that starting lineup. Maybe you have you know someone like Deuce coming off the bench instead. You could rotate it in a way where you it's not. You know, Tibbs hasn't been doing the hockey lineups, but no. you can find a consistency where okay, yeah, you do have Deuces defense and he's really struggling with a shot 
And you do have Evan Fournier, who's not a good defender, and he's just getting his legs under him, and he's not really doing much, but he still has enough gravity. And I think the thing to remember with Fournier is, again, he he's still an NBA player. He didn't disappear. He, he yeah. hit 38.9% of his threes, and he had 7.7 attempts, three-point attempts per game last year. That's a really good shooter. And that just doesn't go away. No. And the fact that the Knicks were unable to reincorporate him earlier. And the fact that even still, they haven't really put him in a position, in my opinion, to succeed and other guys to succeed as well, I thought was frustrating. Um, certainly frustrating. I Again, I would have really liked to have seen maybe not more Evan Fournier, but more Evan Fournier minutes with players that aren't going to bog him down. Because I saw people pointing. I was like, Fournier checks in and they're minus nine. Okay, yeah, well, look at who he's playing with. Like Derek Rose was out of the rotation, but not yep. in the way that Fournier was out of the rotation. Th- then you have Hartenstein and Sims together, which is just not, again, it's just not the best. It, there, there are challenges behind that. And I think that it's just not setting him up for success. But to answer your question, how it figures things out later, I think they still try to move him. I think there are teams that could certainly benefit with someone like Evan Fournier with his shooting. Not say the Knicks couldn't, they certainly could, but it seems clear that his role here moving forward is not going to be one that is something he's in line with. I think it is in their best interest to move him. They just don't have to. And the Knicks know this. They're not going to give him away. If they can find the right deal, they'll do it. And the last thing I'll say before I turn it back over to you, I know there were some fans who were upset because the Knicks weren't playing Cam Reddish. And I think it's twofold there. Number one, the Knicks don't want him to get hurt. And people might say like, Oh, well, you know, all right, maybe Nets a second round pick. So what? It's like, Okay, but there there is still an important thing here where if you're giving up a protected first for Cam Reddish, you're going to want something of value back. But the other thing that I don't think is getting enough discussion is maybe Cam Reddish doesn't want to play. Maybe, maybe he wants to be in... Right, maybe he wants to have a consistent role and what Tibbs would be asking of him is not consistent. And it's the sort of thing where without it being public, right? Like I think when a lot of fans who like Cam Reddish Totally fine. A lot of fans who don't like Tom Thibodeau. Certainly fine. Thibodeau, Thibodeau isn't going to be like, you know, I don't want to play Cam under any circumstances. Cam Reddish saying, oh yeah, I don't know what's up. I'm not sure. Like he's the one who's really speaking to the media. And I'm not saying, I feel, again, I, as I've said before, I, I feel bad for Cam. I want him to have a role moving forward. But I think there's something to be said of, it's easier to take his side in the situation and be like, yeah, I don't know what's up. And then Tom Thibodeau, when it's very possible that both sides, both being the front office and, you know, Cam and his representation, so multiple sides, have agreed that it's just not in his best interest to play right now. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating on that. I want to acknowledge I, that. Can I give I, the, the analogy here? Sure. This is a couple that has broken up, but has a few more months left on their lease. That's all this is. That's fair. It's a really good analogy. <laughs> What's done is done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's quite like, oh man, if you were the last woman or slash man alive on earth, I wouldn't finish your sentence. Uh, but can't even play no more minutes for the next. It's not happening. Um, good transition. The last thing we'll talk about before we give out our uh, cashback player of the week, week award presented by Chase Freedom Unlimited. Um, the Knicks, along with Arguably the three best teams in the league this year. Um, the Celtics, the Pelicans, and the Oh my God, who's the who's the fourth team? Andrew. Who am I, who am I forget? Is it the Nets? It's not the Nets. Is it the Nets? Nets? 
It might be, yeah, I think it's the Nets. Um, are one of the 10 best offenses in basketball, and they're one of the 10 best defenses in basketball. Um, that's really hard to do. And I've been like, I've mentioned that in a couple of newsletters over the last few weeks because, again, traditionally, it doesn't always hold true, but traditionally, if you're top 10 in both of those things, like that is your barometer for who is a true contender. Now, does that always play out year after year? No. Am I trying to imply that the Knicks are true contenders? I can't even say that without laughing uproariously. Uh, no, the Knicks are not a true contender. Um, but even with the cam messiness and the 48 thing and all of the other messiness to start the year and like the stretches of weeks and what felt like more than weeks where they could not defend the three at all and all of these sorts of things. The Knicks are one of the top 10 teams on both sides of the ball. Um, And I think how you view this and then also view the fact that they are only a game over 500. Whereas the other three teams I mentioned are obviously much, much better than a game over 500. The Nets are, I believe, the two seed at the moment. The Celtics are the one seed and the Pelicans are, are, uh, if they're not leading the West, they're like right near the top of the West and the Knicks are not. And there's like a lot going on here. You know, the Knicks still don't have their, their superstar player that we God knows we will talk about uh, in perpetuity until they, until they get one, but they're still doing it and they're doing what they need to do. And I, I think like you just said a minute ago, like you could have different views on this or that, or the other thing, like, you could look at this and you could look at their record and you could look at the fact that they don't have a star and you could say like, my goodness, this is as good a situation as we could possibly imagine that they're managing to do this. And they've really, you can't do this without a culture of that is built on something real and a a sustainable plan at both ends of the court. Or you could look at it and be like, this team is wildly underachieving. And they should be doing so much better. Um, and yeah, sure, they don't. They might not have a superstar, but they have three guys who, well, two of whom are legitimately in the all-star conversation. And one of whom, and we'll talk about him in a bit, I think is going to make it. And then another guy in RJ Barrett, who has been really on the come up for more than a month now before he got hurt. So like, I don't really know what I think about all this. I think at the end of the day, I think this is a mediocre team and they are playing about as well as a mediocre team can play. Um, that's my two cents. I, I wonder if you think differently. I think they're slightly above average here. So for, and for what it's worth, the barometer for net rating, I think it's the only one of the Lakers teams. I think it was the maybe it was 2000, 2001 team where the Lakers were the only championship team to have a net rating below four. They were three and a half. And so for me, it's like if you're a legitimate contender, you're probably going to have a net rating of three and a half. As things stand at this very moment, the Nets, the Nets, excuse me, the Knicks have a net rating of 2.2. So it's certainly below. And I agree with you, but I think it's a sort of thing where the way that this team is built is it's not an average team. To me, it's still a play-in level team, but it's a, it's somewhat above that. Wait, hold on. Um, What's your definition of adri- average? Because we may be saying the same thing, just using different words. Sure. I mean, to me, it's like I, I view anyone kind of in that... I see 500 is perfectly average. It's certainly in, in terms of record. Okay. Net ra- wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't net rating be zero? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I guess... So what did I... I use the word mediocre. To me, mediocre means you are... 
not one of the top 12 teams in the league, which again, the net rating, the next net rating says that they are one of the top 12 teams in the league. Take it for what it's worth. But you're also not one of the bottom 10. So I guess for me, my personal definition of mediocre that I just concocted off the top of my head is like you're between teams 13 and 21 or 20. Yeah. Between. Sure. But then I, like that, that's the thing. I don't, I don't view it quite the same because I'm not, I don't mean to compare it to the contenders in that sense. And I understand why you would. And I, I think it's certainly valid. I just see it as this is, I'm trying to think exactly because the way I see it is they're like, for example, there are 29 teams that don't win a title. Right. Yep. And I know you're not saying, well, oh, because it, you either win title or you don't. I just view it more as to me, if you're, if you're basically treading water and I don't see this team as treading water, I see this team. It's a very young team right now is punching above its weight, but I don't yeah, I agree. Right. right. I know we're not disagreeing on this. We're, we're saying the same thing in different ways. So I view, but I view this team from a record standpoint, what they should be as slightly above average, slightly above 500, whether they get there or not, is a completely different story. Typically younger teams don't do as well. Um, every year there's pretty, there's like one younger team that is able to make the playoffs. Hopefully this year that could be the Knicks. But in terms of like how they are built, no, until they get a star, they're not going to be in that next weight class. But for right now, I think they're, if you're looking at like a bunch of the average teams, because in the grand scheme of things, from what you're saying, 13 to 21, there's not a huge difference. But I think there are tiers within that tier. And I think you're, you can still set yourself up for success by launching into the next one. But you need the star to help you. Are there tiers within that tier or are there vibes within that tier? I'm really going rogue here. Like there are some teams in that tier that have some god awful vibes. And there are teams that consider themselves to be in that tier. Hello, Minnesota, that are not record wise or net rating wise in that tier. But people like still feel that they are so grossly underachieving that they aren't even in the tier, you know? So like, I feel like, I guess basically what I'm saying is to me, when I, when I say that the Knicks are doing is about as well as I think they could be doing, even though they are only a game above 500 with the net rating that they have, I do feel like the vibes are pretty good. And maybe part of that is colored by the fact that the good has largely outweighed the bad over the last I guess now uh, seven weeks. Yeah. Cause six and a half, seven weeks. Right. Um, and we got a lot of the messiness out of the way early. Maybe that's where I'm coming from. Sure. I just don't think it's purely vibes, right? Like last year, the Knicks finished with the 19th best net rating, negative 0.4 in 20th, the bulls negative 0.5. Like to me, it's not about the vibe, so to speak, because the bulls have a clear ceiling. They have stars. They had DeMar DeRozan had a phenomenal year. Lowercase S stars. Right. But even still, like that's you then look at the Knicks and how they underachieved and everything feels frustrating. And it's like, what are we doing here? But you could see the path once they kind of, you know, consolidated the veterans, so to speak. Sure. And that's why I think that this is a team that is on the younger side that is growing. You know, like after the Mavs game, I saw a lot of tweets that were like, Nope, this is what happens when you play the kids. Like, this is what you get. Like, yeah, you get growing pains. Yeah. This will never leave them. They will always remember this game. And they no, should. Yeah, you're right. Let them remember it. And, and Alan Hahn even said it. Like, don't forget about this. Keep this in your mind. And they will. And it's it's those types of things where I think there's a difference between a team that's around that tier that is hitting its ceiling and a team 
like the Knicks, where we're talking about there's still so much room to grow, both internally and externally, because of what the front office is able to do to get the pieces to make that team better. Whether or not it's the season, probably isn't the season, is a different story. From that perspective, I will just say, I think we don't have to have the conversation now, but pretty soon, depending on how the next few weeks go, there is a have the goalpost change conversation probably to be had about this team. We'll do that later. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Once again, presented by Chase Freedom Unlimited, the Cashback Player of the Week Award, uh, a.k.a. our Game Ball. Am I so enthusiastic about this segment this week because I get to give the first award? First Cashback Player of the Week? Maybe. Um, and the best, the best compliment that I could give the player that I am going to name my Cashback Player of the Week is that I'm genuinely enthusiastic about giving him this award. You want to talk about coming all the way around on somebody? Um, <laughs> starting at the beginning of the season when this player did something good. Not that I begrudgingly praised him. Before you do that. Yes. Read the candidates. Oh, I always forget to it's, do this. Yes. you get. Thank you for reminding me. Well, it was actually our dear producer who texted, but... Tell John to read the candidates. Except read podcast. the candidates in all caps. And it was like read period. The fine, period fine, candidates. fine. He, he wrote it like a telegram. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's old. Yeah, John, like stop. Read. All right. Stop. I'm saving. Stop. I'm saving. I'm saving the name of my winner for last. Um, candidates: Emmanuel Quickly, Quinn Grimes, Evan Fournier, the New York Football Giants. Certainly not the New York Football Jets, and obviously Julius Randle, um, who. I am damn enthusiastic about giving him uh, the cashback player of the week award because the early on in the season, the wounds of last year were still so fresh. Um, and at, at, in in the defense of anyone who was still criticizing him over the early going of the season, the defense was still very bad. 
Um, so it's not like it was completely based on last season that it was like, eh, yeah, he's been a nice offensive player, but because there was some other stuff going on. Um, the defense is still not perfect, um, but but it's a big but. Julius Randle's having one of the best offensive seasons in the history of the New York Knicks. And if that sounds crazy to you, check out today's, uh, you don't have to subscribe uh, to the paid version. It's the, uh, I sent out the free edition special on, on Sunday afternoon, New Year's day um, of the Knicks film school newsletter, because he is at this moment averaging 24 points. Um, he is, has a effective field goal percentage over 54 and he is hitting over five free throws a game. Now, why did I cherry pick those stats, the efficiency stat and the free throw stats? Because unfortunately, cleaning the glass doesn't encompass all of Nick's history. And thus, we don't have their nifty little points per shot attempt um, metric, which factors in free throws and how you do from the floor. So that's why I decided to look at effective field goal percentage and free throws, plus his scoring, because he's obviously scoring a lot of points. Those three different things, 24 points, 54 effective field goal percentage, five made free throws a game. There's only three guys in the history of the New York Knicks who have had seasons like that before Julius Randle this year. And their names are Patrick Ewing, did it once. Bernard King, did it once. And Bob McAdoo, did it once. Bob McAdoo won an MVP, not for this franchise, but pretty talented player. Bernard King, in the season he did it here, finished second in MVP. And Patrick Ewing, when he did it here, Ended up finishing fourth in MVP and was first team All NBA, as was King. Point is, I know there's a lot of scoring going on in the league right now. I get it. But what Julius Randle is doing with when he has the ball in his hands, and that includes scoring and passing, um, it is high, high level stuff. If he had produced all year, like he has been producing for the last five or six weeks, there would not be an all star conversation because he would be in there. He had to build his way up to this. There was some really ugly defensive uh, metrics in the early going. The metrics still aren't great for him on defense, but I digress. He's been awesome. He's been everything they could possibly have asked for and more. Um, so my cashback player of the week goes to Julius Randle. He's been phenomenal. It's just incredible. And it's awesome. It's just, it's great to, to see. I'm curious though. So when we did a, when we were on playback, Benji posed a question and said, do you feel that Julius Randle is better as someone to build with or to, to trade him and use those pieces to get someone else? And at the time, great question. you said you advocated for the trading and taking the assets and then getting someone else. And I said, given, to build with, hold on, mm-hmm. given what I presume would be a mammoth haul. Okay. It's more, I'm just curious if your thoughts had changed since then. Um, they haven't. You could talk me into it pretty easily. Um, I waffle sometimes. You could talk me into it. The, the reason why I'm ultimately dubious is because not to, I know he's not very popular anymore in, in terms of, um, especially Nick fans, but like Bill Simmons has said some smart things over the course of his life uh, covering the NBA and writing about the NBA. And something I do feel like is very wise is when you ask, you know, he asked himself, can this player be on the floor for the last five minutes of a finals game? And given how I still have legitimate concerns about how much 
Julius Randle's defense would be exposed in a very, very high level playoff series. Again, I have questions about it. I'm not saying I feel like it it would not be workable, but I have those I do have those questions. Um and the fact that like if he's one of your top two guys with the ball in his hands, how good can you be? Um, I think that's a legitimate question. And like, look, he's shooting great from outside for him. It's still about 35% from deep, which is like, okay, that's a question. If it's not coming from your center and we know we can't really play, you can't trust Julius as center defensively. So like there's enough questions there that if you're telling me that I'm getting some insane haul in terms of draft picks and maybe a young, a good young player for him, I think there's a real argument that you're better off making that sort of trade. I don't say that with a a tremendous amount of conviction. But the two things then is wouldn't another team that is theoretically trading all this for Julius Randle be considering that too? And the second thing is based on where the Knicks are at right now compared like to me where the Knicks are a game of 500 left some meat on the bone for some other games Jalen Brunson obviously hurt. Whatever. They are a game over 500. And the point to get to where you are a contender to the point where we can have the conversation of, is this player able to be there the last five minutes of of an NBA finals game? The gap is so wide that that it's just like, it's out the window. At least that's how I see it. It is out the window for right now. We're not anywhere close to being there yet. Um I can answer the first part pretty easily. Why would a, a team trade for a guy like him? Because I maybe they feel like their infrastructure is better set up to withstand the issues that he p- could potentially have. And also, quite frankly, like maybe it's a team that feels like they're running, uh, their clock is running, and they need to take a swing. And he's the best available swing. Um, those things happen in the NBA sometimes. Uh, who the fuck did the Cavs trade for before LeBron left? Antoine Jameson. Like there, there was some there was some questionable moves made by made by that uh, franchise. Um, and, example, and that's, just very quickly, team that the Knicks are playing as people are listening to this tonight. Phoenix. That's that's the one everybody's thinking of. I'm glad you said it out loud. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and but then it's just as far as like getting from point A to point B. I do think there is a world where we can now start to visualize a team, a Knicks team where you take out Julius Randle and this again this is no shade against Julius Randle Julius Randle I'm I, I'm going to be making an all-star case for him this week in the newsletter I think he deserves to make it um maybe even ahead of Jalen Brunson I can't believe I'm saying that out loud but that's how good he has been offensively you know he's been like Jerry you're sparking at me you know he's no been no there. no I, yeah. I'm laughing not in disagreement I, I it's just more like yeah this is where yes. we're at this is where we're at. This is where this player has forced us to get to as far as how good he has been. That's what the numbers say. The eye test, it passes the eye test too. Anyway, um, I do think there is a world where if you swap him out and you put in a true top, whatever, five, six, seven, you know the guys. We all know the guys. And then you still got Bronson and you still got RJ and you still got Grimes and you still maybe you still have a quickly too and you could maybe add one more peripheral piece like boy could I talk myself into that being a championship contender real quick that's kind of where I'm coming from I get it totally okay. I don't disagree okay. um, my honorable mention will be the New York football giants 
making the NFL playoffs, uh, as Andrew says. Who are the Jets? I'm sorry for your loss, Andrew, and fellow Jets fans. Uh, and to the Giants fans, uh, you know, maybe on to Minnesota. We'll see. In the meantime, the player I will be giving the cashback player of the game, a player of the week award to will be Emmanuel Quickly. Hey. Stepped in incredibly admirably. Just phenomenal job. Knicks really needed him. The efficiency, of course, it's a concern, but just when you pair still what he's able to do on the offensive side of the ball with the creation and with the seller defense that he provides you, he's the, he's the obvious second choice. And I think Grimes would have made a compelling case, but to me quickly is ahead of him. Um, fun little stat over the last three games as we're recording this. So not counting Sunday night's games, uh, three players in the NBA averaging, uh, what is it? I looked it up earlier today, 25 points, nine assists and uh, uh, over these thresholds and five rebounds. It's uh, quickly uh, Jokic and Luka. <laughs> For starters, you mean? Like when they're starting the games or just in general? No, in general. Over wow. the last three games, quickly is averaging 25, nine, and five. That's just incredible. Yeah, and the only other pe- people to meet you, all three are uh, exceed. Luke is averaging like literally like 48 points in the last three games. So, um, yeah, just a fun, quirky little stat. Uh, okay. Detention goes to you. Yes, it does. Uh, the choices are Luka Doncic's fingernails, Tom Thibodeau, Miles McBride, Isaiah Hartenstein, and last and certainly not least, because this is where I'm going. Hashtag Claudio curse. Yeah. Yes. When in doubt, Blame Andrew Claudio and his uh, sports for the fact that I lost. Because I'm curious, last week, when you said you wanted, via text, you said like, oh, if Jeremy, if you pick two and one, I want to call it. And were you going to take three and oh? I was leaning one and two. Okay. All right. So you would have won either way, but it's still a lot more fun to blame Andrew. So I'm going to blame Andrew. And um, I'll turn it over to you. Hold on. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm technically still not wrong yet. I said 13 and five. Two and five. Stop talking. You're out. Technically, it's in play is all I'm saying. It's got about as much of a chance as the Jets making the playoffs this year, as well as, you know, blowing a nine point lead with, you know, uh, less than 30 seconds left. But you're telling me there's a chance. So in a week, um, I'll circle back and yes, and I'll then blame you the can curse again. Me, yes, right. then you can give. I'll me double attention. down. There right. you go. Um, I am not taking anybody who you put on the candidates list. Sorry, Claudio. I am putting in detention our good friends at Playback. We love Playback. We've loved what Playback has done for us and being able to uh, allow us to further interact with uh, our fan base here, not only at Knicks Film School, but Knicks fans everywhere. Um, shout out to Blue Wire for setting us up with Playback. Love everything about them. To have the end of the Mavs game, the regulation and the overtime captured for all of eternity. Um, thanks to thanks to Playback. To see that back ran back on Twitter the next day, it 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 hurt. It hurt. And uh, if playback wasn't around, that would have never happened. So unfortunately, playback, I love you. Shout out to all of our patrons who get to watch with us on playback. But perfectly balanced, though, because earlier this year we had one of the best moments we could possibly record. Yeah. So 
Yeah. As Thanos would say, as all things should be. It's just so, in that one year. Unfortunately, this may also be a Claudio curse moment because someone had to go in and edit the the clip and post it the next day. So, all right. So no, I changed my answer. Yeah. Andrew Claudio. The Claudio curse is Jeremy's detention. <laughs> Andrew Claudio himself, the human being, is my detention. GMAC and his curse are both in detention. There you go. Yes. Um. Yes. Okay. Let's finish up predictions for the week. So uh, I'm slowly but surely coming back. Jeremy's still seven and three, but I am three and seven. Still time. There's still time, Jeremy. Um, also, uh, didn't didn't uh, shout out my my wine of the episode. Uh, going back to the rusty cigar premium red blend. Very enjoyable way to to end the week. Um, red rockets, right? There's some connection there. Yeah, I am sticking with water. Oh, good, good for you. Prosecco and seltzer. Water's I, good. I didn't have a crazy night on New Year's Eve, so ah. I, could, I could have a glass of wine tonight. Um, this week, uh, only three games. Uh, Phoenix, 3 p.m. start Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday morning, you know, a- appropriate your time correctly. And then uh, Wednesday, again, rematch with San Antonio. Um, I think... Sometimes it's not great to play the same team twice in a short span. I feel like uh, this might be one of the times where it is good to play the same team again. And then going to Toronto on Friday. Both of those are 7.30 starts. Oh. There's an obvious one. I I do think the obvious one is 2-1. Picking 2-1 puts the pressure on you a little bit. Phoenix is still down Booker. They are not the same team without Booker, we should say. Um, although they may be getting, I guess, campaign and Landry Shamit back. I think they've been without those guys for some period of time. Feeling good about the San Antonio game. And then Toronto. The, you know, Toronto beat the Knicks in MSG. I'm sure there'll be some payback factor. I think 3-0 is in play. I think 1-2 and two is in play. And because um, I can't decide between those two, I am going to go 2-1. and one. It's totally fair. I think for me, it'll be 1-2. and two. Two of these games are at home. Knicks haven't been great at home. And Toronto, it's a hostile environment for, right? I feel like the Knicks just seldom win in Toronto, unless I'm just making that up. It just feels like they don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up now. But I think the bigger thing with Toronto, which is weird, is like you would have thought maybe their win against the Knicks would have... Um, righted their their ship a little bit. I, I'm not really sure it has. They've they're they're not having a, a good year. They're having some real issues. And like that Knicks fourth quarter against them, I know we're we're going back a ways was like not great. Um but at the same time like the Raptors or not at the same time like the Knicks needed to have a not good fourth quarter to lose that game because the Raptors were trying to give it to them because they were just they couldn't score. Um their half court offense is just abysmal. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. The Raptors, here it is. Um, they've won one in a row, but they're still three and seven in their last 10. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I'd have gone one and two. If you'd have taken two and one, if you, if it was your pick for what it's worth. Yeah. Perfect. Well, they're going to be back at 500. So one and two gets the job done. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) All right. Uh, Andrew Claudio, do we miss anything? Nope. All set. Um, happy president's day, everybody. I guess that's, What's tomorrow, right? Technically? No. What's tomorrow? It's New Year's Day observed. I thought every 
Is President's Day not tomorrow? Is that February? It's in like fucking. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my God. It's well, that then, then, birthday. A, then a very early happy President's Day. Happy everybody. Valentine's Day. Happy, happy Easter. Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Happy, happy Lunar New Year. Merry happy Christmas. New Year 2024. Yes. Wait, isn't there also a Jewish holiday tomorrow, Jeremy? Tomorrow? No. Well, you're going to make Jeremy look bad if they're Wow. Right. Yeah. I listen, couldn't ask I, Benji when he was on the pod. Touche. Um, whatever holiday you want to celebrate tomorrow. Yeah. One of the major ones. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking up Jewish holidays. Asara Betevit. That's a Jewish holiday. It's on my calendar. It's, I put all Jewish Andrew, calendar. they're holidays for, for the trees and the fruits called Tubas Shabbat. But you're not going to see. All Jewish holidays on the calendar when Benji started <sighs> telling me that he, was, he needed off. And yeah, it's stuff. great. Tubas Shabbat's awesome. You just eat okay. it. But it's like, it's not heavily observed. Like that's, and and you know, like I, I appreciate your observance. Uh, to my knowledge, it's not one of the major holidays that is okay. of observance. But thank you. Thank you very much on behalf of the Jews. I didn't realize that's why everybody was off tomorrow. I honestly just in my head it was like, oh, it must be President's Day or something. Because of the Jewish holiday? No. Okay, Monday. I know. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> yes. I didn't realize like it's New Year's observed. That's why the, the game is at three. That's why your John's off and my fiance's off. Like I'm also you're, off of work. So everybody's off. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, happy new year, everybody. <laughs> Landed that plane. Yeah, this is, this is like, like like Denzel in flight. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like the Jets landing their plane uh, into their season. Oof. There you go. That's that's the way to end it. Yeah. Um, Happy New Year, Andrew. Thank you for uh, your uh, phenomenal production as always. Jeremy Cohen, always a pleasure. And everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, we will be back with more fun and games before you know it. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.